Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Profatico, uh, via the Portico of Solomon, of course. Uh, it is good to be with you tonight. Uh, I decided to ride and uh, address this topic. Uh, for everybody who wishes to know, a riddle has been set. Uh, this came to me via the social networking site. Uh, this is the post from Johnny from the Iron Show. Hey man, can you bring up the subject of Jacob's sheep to Matthew and Mike? Why? Because they are not in Israel now. I don't know if that breed that Jacob had was the ones that carried on through the Exodus and thus were the proper sacrificial sheep that produced the lambs. I don't know if this is important to have the breed in Israel or not. For when the sacrifices are reinstated... They would need the right breed? Please run this by the fine lads. So the riddle has been set. Um, we're going to address this topic because, uh, well, uh, I can see quite a deal further uh, than most of those that are in the bridal procession. Uh, so uh, take note. Uh, that the uh, Bible source code uh, loudly uh, displays uh, what is the proper breed, but uh, as far as the type of sheep, well, it's kind of all over the book of Leviticus, uh, for there is a specific term uh, used in chapter 3, chapter 7, chapter 8, and chapter 9 that comes right out and tells you why, what type of, of sheep it is uh, that would need... Uh, to be sacrificed in order to facilitate uh, the law being accomplished. Uh, and this is probably going to take you by surprise because most people don't know anything about sheep. Uh, they certainly do uh, recall to mind the 23rd Psalm, uh, but in its context, uh, they really don't know anything about sheep themselves. Uh, so we are going to uh, riddle this. So just take note. Um, <clears throat> you might want to uh, go ahead and uh, uh, bring up in your strongs uh, there uh, H451, uh, or some of them have 0451. Uh, but take note that this particular form that we're going to be looking at, uh, it's in Leviticus 3, verse 9. It's in chapter 7, verse 3. It's in chapter 8, verse 25. And the exact form is in Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 19. So, now that you have written those down, I suggest you take a look at them. Uh, we're going to set back and take a few minute break. Uh, might be some people uh, getting low to the starting gates. Uh, so we're going to play uh, where it is uh, that we should long to be. Uh, this is... Uh, one of my new favorite tunes. Uh, I was introduced to it on the way to the grocery store uh, via my wife and daughter. It was on a CD, 
and I fell in love with it immediately uh, because it exemplifies exactly what it is that I am and what it is that I want to do and where it is that I want to go. Sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing But am I alive? I won't keep searching for answers that aren't here to find All I know is I'm not home yet This is not where I belong Take this world and give me Jesus This is not where I Man, that is a good tune. Um, like I said, we're going to be doing this via uh, a post, and I guess uh, this uh, riddle that we have is from Brother Joseph. Um, I'm not sure uh, who he is or where it is that he uh, comes from, uh, but um, 
I'm glad that uh, he asked the question, and uh, I'm glad to facilitate uh, a little bit for uh, for people, uh, no matter where it is that uh, that he might be residing. So, uh, first off, uh, let's take a look uh, at the Bible source code and figure this out. Um, <clears throat> we are illicitly told uh, in right in Leviticus uh, chapter three, verse nine. And I'll read for the uh, from the New American uh, Standard Bible, uh, not because it's my favorite translation or anything like that. It's just that uh, it it reads uh, very good uh, for our tongue, which has uh, you know many many ways to speak it. Uh, so this is uh, probably one of the best versions to read publicly. Uh, Leviticus chapter three verse nine. From the sacrifice of peace offerings, he shall bring as an offering by fire to the Lord its fat, the entire fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails. Right there you get it. Uh, that's uh, the word right there, uh, H451. Uh, Allah. Uh, what you say normally in the Hebraic tongue. Uh, right here it tells you, comes right out and says that the breed of sheep must be a fat tail. People don't even realize that there is such a breed as a fat tail. But uh, we shall complete our course with these uh, four verses. Uh, chapter 7 and verse 3. Uh, then he shall offer from it its fat, the fat tail, and the fat that covers the entrails, chapter 8, verse 25. He took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was on the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh. And Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 19. As for the portions of fat, the ox, the ram, and the fat tail... And the fat covering for the kidneys and the lobe of the liver. So right here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you should have always uh, known at least what type of sheep you were uh, talking about. It is a fat-tailed sheep. Uh, so uh, please take note that, that these are very strange uh, sheep as far as Americans are concerned. Because uh, we just take note of the little bitty a tailed sheep that we normally see. However, the fat sheep is really uh, recognizable because of its tail is so very fat because it stores um, within it, uh, of course, calories. Now, uh, there are many different types uh, of fat-tailed sheep, but I'm just going to uh, look over this list and see how that uh, I have written the word of the Lord my God upon my heart. I will see it if needs be. Uh, one of them is the Africaner. No, that's I've never said that in Hebrew. Uh, the Blackhead Persian. No, no too many syllables. Uh, the Tunis, perhaps? No, not that one. How about the Padi? No, not that one. No, it's not going to be that one. How about the Karakul? Ah, uh, yes, the Karakul. No, it's not going to be that. Now, what is going to surprise you is I know the origin to this riddle that uh, this uh, brother Joseph uh, presented unto me. Uh, it's amazing, 
that this would even uh, come to light, because normally uh, sheep do not appear uh, in the news. Uh, not at all. Uh, but one has appeared here lately because there are some people that uh, are in the new uh, world uh, that uh, are proposing uh, to uh, start breeding uh, the uh, Jacob sheep, what is uh, called a Jacob's sheep, uh, in Israel. And uh, I'll read just a few of this. This is, of course, straight from the Jerusalem Post. Um, it says here, uh, a state uh, without the means of some change is without the means of its conservation. This is a quote from Edmund Burke, uh, the first paragraph here. The recent outright refusal of the Agricultural and Rural Development Ministry to take in the biblical Jacob sheep from Canada to preserve in Israel north robbed of the whole nation of Israel the opportunity to become acquainted with the sheep that our patriarch Jacob fathered. Uh, the Jacob sheep is a national animal of the Jewish people and currently doesn't exist in Israel. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's because the Jacob sheep is not the one in question, uh, because it flat out, straight up, uh, is not a fat-tailed sheep. And as a matter of fact, uh, once you take a look at it, you realize very quickly as to why uh, it is used in uh, ritual satanic uh, abuse. Uh, because it is the one that has the many horns. Uh, this sheep can have um, anywhere from two to six horns. Um, of course, the time uh, that I spent... Uh, in Indianapolis, uh, there way back uh, in the 90s when they were having uh, problems uh, with graves and things being desecrated. Uh, of course, the Indianapolis Police Department ran across uh, several cases where the uh, skull of this was uh, displayed inside a pentagram on the wall. Uh, so, just so you know, uh, that's not the sheep in question. It never was. Um, so, just so you know, um, this is not a fat-tailed sheep. Uh, so everything that you see around it, uh, everything that uh, you might find about it, um, just take note. Uh, this sheep was always excluded, and the rabbis know that. They're not going to let this uh, sheep uh, enter into uh, the land of Israel. That's the whole purpose behind this, uh, this article, uh, straight from the Jerusalem Post. That's why. But of course, uh, the uh, um, the so-called Christians uh, don't know uh, even their Bible uh, because there's no way you can get past the Book of Leviticus uh, without a reckoning of what type of sheep you're talking about. You must be talking about one of the breeds of fat-tailed sheep, and it's just that simple. Okay, it's just that simple. One breed here does catch my attention, though, because that I know. But before we go there, uh, I want you to know something else. You're probably expecting me to say the Asaph sheep. No, I'm not going to say that, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, but it is important that we take a look at it because it's half the truth, and they know that. Uh, because the Asaph breed... Um, is the uh, a breed of there that's propagated uh, in Israel. Uh, it's raised both for milk and for meat. Uh, but take note, 
uh, that this is a new sheep uh, because the Asaph sheep is a project is a product of crossbreeding, of course, the Awasi sheep with the East Frisian sheep. There you have it. It's right in front of your face. Now, Awasi, that I know in the Bible source code. That I know. And as a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and do a check. Let's just go ahead and do a news a search for this particular type of sheep, uh, this Awasi sheep. Uh, you'll take note that it's been all over the news as of late because, of course, uh, the country um, of New Zealand. Uh, they have uh, been in, uh, well, they've been in, in quite a tissy over there, uh, over these sheep. Um, because in New Zealand, of course, uh, the formal complaint, uh, this one, I'll just, just read you this one. Uh, this was just uh, released uh, yesterday. Uh, this is straight uh, from uh, News Talk ZB, which is New Zealand. Um, formal complaint laid over Saudi sheep deal. Uh, and this gives a timeline. Uh, so you might want to take a look at this. So uh, research this title here. A formal complaint laid over Saudi sheep deal. Uh, a labor politician uh, has laid complaints against Foreign Mis Minister Murray McCulley after revelations a controversial 11.5 million deal in Saudi Arabia was opposed by the Treasury. Documents released by the Treasury last week show officials were concerned about being kept in the dark about the 2012 deal. Ah, oh, yes. 2,300 days. Now, if you need a context for what I just said, please uh, search Prophetico on SoundCloud. Uh, I have left for you all the information uh, that you need to know about what I just said. Uh, more details on this. Uh, Mr. McCulley uh, had come under fire uh, for what was dubbed as the Saudi sheep scandal. Ah, yes. Why on earth would New Zealand, of course that's why it's created such a scandal, uh, because uh, why would New Zealand pay Saudi Arabia and a private businessman in Saudi Arabia 11.5 million taxpayer dollars all to acquire the Awasi breed of sheep? Why is that? Now, just do a search, like I said, and let me spell it for you uh, so so you can research it yourself. In English, it is spelled A-W-A-S-S-I, Oasi. Um, you'll take note uh, that this is uh, literally called uh, the bulletproof breed. Uh, literally, it's called the bulletproof breed over there uh, in the Middle East. It is fantastically prized. Uh, its meat um, has uh, the best uh, uh, taste uh, for any sheep. But the thing about it is, is that it is well adapted uh, to extreme temperatures. It is tolerant of extremes in itself. That's why it's called literally the bulletproof breed. Um, it's absolutely uh, amazing. 
uh, how these sheep are. Um, so uh, when I say that, okay, uh, when I say it's been in your new in the news, right in your face, directly connected with what very well could be uh, the beginning of the two thousand and three and three hundred days, uh, right there with Hanukkah twenty twelve. It should get your attention. It really should get your attention. Um, but here at the end of this article, it gives a fantastic timeline of just exactly uh, all the meanderings going about uh, here. And you'll take note that um, even though up in the article it said the 2012 deal, on the timeline it doesn't mention that year at all. Just take note of that and swallow it. So they're literally coming right out and telling you, aren't they? But anyway, let's get to this Awase sheep. Now, please take note uh, that there are words in Hebrews that when you put you know, prefixes and suffixes on them, they are pronounced really quite differently. And this particular uh, pronunciation... Okay, in the Bible source code, uh, it occurs in the most marvelous of places. Uh, the first time you'll see this is in Second Chronicles uh, chapter twenty-six, and of course verse thirteen. Uh, and it really is quite amazing for me to sit back and look at it, and marvel that uh, this word is not altogether uh, uh, pronounced correctly. Uh, of course. Uh, in the Strong's Concordance, it doesn't look uh, that way at all, as a matter of fact. So, knowing this, you understand how very difficult it would be uh, for the bride to be able to perceive what it is that I'm looking at. Because when you look at it, it is H6213, and it's supposed to be Asal, or Asa, some people pronounce it. Uh, but it's to, it is to do uh, in the broadest sense and widest implications. Um, and let's take a read uh, of these verses. Because here, uh, it's not spelled this way at all. You'll take note that there is a yod on the end instead of something else. So when you pronounce this with your mouth, Okay, when you say it um, in Hebrew, when you're speaking, you have to take note, of course, that uh, there is no W. Uh, so uh, when you look at it, uh, it's very important that uh, you know uh, that uh, your strong concordance is not going to tell you how to pronounce these, um, these prefixes and suffixes when they change and uh, things like that. Uh, but you'll take note that because it's spelled this way, it is pronounced Osi. It is pronounced the way in which you see in that news article Awasi, the Awasi sheep. So literally, uh, we're taking a look at that exact word in Hebrew pronounced that way, but God has riddled it to you. Okay? It's much like uh, setting and listening to uh, perhaps two Russians speaking, and all of a sudden 
uh, they might say an English word. Of course, they're not saying that English word, but that's what God has done right here. He's literally brought out in broad daylight the type of sheep. And more importantly, he has connected it with very terrible events. So let's take a read uh, of these verses that this form uh, of H6213 is. Um, <clears throat> Under the direction was an elite army of 307,500 who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. Now, take note. Uh, what you're looking at uh, right there uh, is exactly what I just pronounced or say. And here uh, it is, of course, uh, used right there as elite, used to make war. See, this translation is not exactly flowing uh, as it should, but that phrase right there, an elite army used to wage war. Uh, some translations say. So, uh, we'll go to the next one. Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 34 and verse 10. This exact pronunciation again. Uh, they gave it into the hands of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord used it to restore and repair the house. There it is again. used to restore and repair the house. Right there is that breed of sheep. And of course, uh, the very same chapter in verse 17, it's used again. Uh, they also emptied out the money uh, which was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hands of the supervisors and the workmen. Right there. So, before we go anywhere, let's take a look at the context here, herein. What is occurring here in these verses? Uh, you'll take note uh, that uh, this is when Uzziah succeeds in war, this first verse. Okay? Which led, of course, to Uzziah's pride and his undoing. In chapter uh, 34 there, what is this all about? This is when Josiah, of course, repairs the temple. <laughs> That's why it's here twice. Now, in verse 17, of course, is when the book of the law is discovered. So you realize just by using this, this is leading up, of course, there in verse 22, the, to the prophetess speaking. So I hope you understand the course that I've ran so far. All I had to do was simply read the book of Leviticus, and I would know exactly what type of sheep I, that the Lord my God was talking about that is proper 
for sacrifice. It is the fat-tailed and the fat-tailed sheep alone. Because if you were to sacrifice a Jacob sheep, you could not obey the law because you are particularly ordered to use the fat that is stored for calories in their very fat tail. It is literally a tail of fat. And of course, that's why it's such a foreign idea to us Americans. I mean, our dogs, our cats, uh, they do not store calories in their tail. Why would God do that? And just take note that he mentioned some other things in that list that are very important. The kidneys being one. It's very important that you can see that. So when I take a look at this, uh, just take note that um, I'm expecting something more. I'm expecting something grandiose to be right here in front of my face. And when you think about that, when you understand that, it's very important that you realize how very detrimental it is for you to begin to learn the Bible source code. It doesn't matter which one you start in. Either the Hebraic, which is the Masoretic text combined with the Delich New Testament, which was written before the inception of the state of Israel. That's why it's written in biblical Hebrew, not modern Hebrew. Or perhaps you could start the Greco Bible source code, which is the Septuagint, coupled with the Aditorigia. That Bibliodiciacy that was written, comprised using two secret manuscripts that was never revealed. And of course, the origin of where you get your chapters and verses from. You need to start really looking at the Bible source code. I mean, that is the whole reason why the Lord your God has provided things like uh, the Strongs for you to utilize. These things are very important. That you be able to know how to transliterate any word from any language. And be able to look into the Bible source code to see if God has not spoken it with his own mouth prophetically. You see, right here, I have given you the perception of ears that can, in fact, hear, even though you be deaf. Because there was no other way for you to hear the Owasi sheep in the Bible source code. You had no way to do it. There was no way for you to obtain it from the Strongs that didn't give it to you. You didn't realize that that was an alternate spelling. Of course, I told you that the form when God says this particular breed of sheep... It's not ended right, which all of you should readily realize that that makes it a different word altogether. But take note, the sequence of what God was giving us there in those chapters, and I hope you wrote those verses down. I'm sure that you can now see that it's very important. 
So now that I've given you the perception of ears that can hear, I'm going to give you the perception of eyes that can see. Because God wrote the Hebraic Bible source code in an alphanumerical language. There is no Arabic numerals in the Bible. None. Every time you see a letter, you also see a digit. You see an integer, you see a number. And when I look at this, in Hebrew, yes, it says, Awase. <laughs> it also says, numerically, 386. And of course, most of you will realize that this is obviously important because the very first time God says this is in a verse which had everything to do with the king falling from his pride because he had an elite army of waging war of this very strange number, 307,500. I'm not going to address that number in this context. What is important is that this brother Joseph sent John, my brother, a message asking because someone was trying to deceive him into thinking that the Jacob sheep was the proper sheep for sacrifice. When the whole world knows, no, it's not. Only a Christian would believe that, and the Satanists think it's funny. So, with that in mind, we're going to take a very short break so you can contemplate the things that I've said. So that you can choose for yourself right now having partaked in that opportunity to perceive with ears that can hear, whether or not, whether you want to finish listening to this broadcast and be able to see for just a little while with the perception of eyes that can see. Because I see quite a lot I know quite a lot with that integer 386. So, please consider that. Please consider that. And decide for your own self what it is that you should do. Come, go, what should you do? Should you stay wrapped up in the English Bible? That is your purview, of course. You are permitted to do that thing. You don't have to stay here at all. 
But I do challenge you. Maybe you've been missing a whole lot more than you ever imagined that you were. Because the Bible has a whole lot more than what can be obtained in the English. It has things that you can hear and things that you can see if you want to. If you want to. We'll take a short break. Four minutes, 48 seconds. Now this is just plain good stuff. Many nights we've prayed With no proof anyone could hear In our hearts a hopeful song We barely understood Now we are not afraid Although we know there's much to fear We were
probably already ascertained from your own devices, there's a little bit more to me than meets the eye. I welcome you. 
to the Prophetico and uh, <laughs> by extrapolation to the Portico of Solomon. Uh, normally, uh, this isn't my format, uh, but um, Brother Jose has provided uh, this format, uh, him and Brother Thames. So um, I decided to use it uh, for this reply. Uh, but if you want to uh, seek me out via other means, um, you can just search the Prophetico. You'll find me uh, on SoundCloud. Uh, you'll find me on YouTube. Of course, the social networking site there. Uh, you will find me um, on Prophetico.net. Uh, you'll find me on the BibleSourceCode.com. And you might want to go to the BibleSourceCode.com for references to what I'm about to talk about because I'm about to implement biblical mechanics. Uh, what is biblical mechanics? It is simply uh, putting on eyes that can see and looking and realizing that every single verse in the Bible, in both original languages, because it's a binary source code, both of those languages never had Arabic numerals. So when you look at a verse in either of them, either the Hebraic or the Greco, you also see an equation comprised of integers. So when we look at things this way, the first thing I always do is riddle myself the word and determine what its alphanumerical integer is. Like I stated before, the alphanumerical uh, equivalent for the Awasi sheep is 386. Now the first thing we're going to do is wrap the New Testament in the Old Testament, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, who doth rule and reign, was wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. first thing we're going to do. And when we do that, we just take the chapters of the Bible that you have, you start numbering them. And the 386th chapter in the uh, Bible is very important. It is, of course, Second Chronicles chapter 19. Because it's tied directly to the sacrifice. Now, I'll talk a little bit about how important this is. Animals have everything to do with this. First and foremost, it's been all over the news that the Temple Institute has begun to attempt to breed a red heifer. They have done this implementing that device which is... Uh, has its headquarters in the state of Israel. That's in vitro fertilization. This has been done with the purchasing, of course, of semen uh, that they're going to utilize to uh, impregnate red cows. They have to do this first in order to cleanse the Temple Mount. That's the only thing that can be used. It's the water of cleansing made with, of course, hyssop and 
a red heifer without blemish. After they do so, they're going to have to get the proper type of sheep. They know this. So what they're attempting to do is exactly what happened in Second Chronicles chapter 19. They're going to try to do the same thing. Via their own means. Via uh, mechanical means. That's how they're going to try to accomplish this. You see, because if they have the water of cleansing, God will be forced to cleanse that temple mount, right? And if they sacrifice the proper type of sheep, well, he will be forced to accept it, right? Forgive them their transgressions. Although that's not how it happened in Second Chronicles chapter 19. Let's take a read of it. This is very important. Just take note what I just said to you, how important this subject is pertaining to a modern accomplishment of what happened in Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Let me pause for a minute. Prophetically, who are you waiting for from the tribe of Judah to return safely to Jerusalem? And I could go into great detail prophetically what the Lord your God just actually spoke with his mouth. The etymology employed there in these words, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, let me continue. Jehu, the son of Hanoi the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king, Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? And so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? But there is some good in you. For you have removed the Asheroth from the land, and you have set your heart to seek God. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, and went out again among the people, from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. I want you to take note what happened. Who was waiting on him? Now, take note that when you're the son of someone that's very prophetic in the scripture, because you could say uh, that Elisha was a son of Elijah, could you not? Let us continue with verse 5. He appointed judges in the land, in all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city. He said to the judges, Consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. Now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do, 
For the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. In Jerusalem also Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the heads of the fathers' households in Israel for the judgment of the Lord and to judge disputes among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then he charged them, saying, Thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and wholeheartedly. Whenever any dispute comes to you from your brethren who live in their cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and ordinances, you shall warn them so that they may not be guilty before the Lord. And wrath may not come on you and your brethren. Thus you shall do, and you will not be guilty. Behold, our man, the chief priest, will be over you and all that pertains to the Lord. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, and all that pertains to the king, also the Levites, shall be officers before you. Act resolutely. And the Lord will be with the upright. So take note that he never commanded them to sacrifice, did he? However, I see something in verse 3. All of you are probably wanting me to talk about the Asherah. Talk about the fallen. It's not what I'm going to do. Because I see a phrase there in Hebrew. And that phrase runs straight to the book of Revelation. That's how important this is. It runs straight to the book of Revelation. So what I'm trying to say to you is that God has implemented a double device. He has divided using biblical mechanics. Take note of the phrase, times, time, and a half time. He's telling you with that very phraseology that when he divides an integer, he's speaking about time. So when you take chapter 386 of the Bible, and you see that number divided so that two integers equal that sum, you need to stop and take pause, because this is extremely prophetic, and he will give you measures of time. So the phrase here in question is out of the earth. Now, you're probably getting pretty antsy right now because you know that phrase is in a lot of verses. But where is it that God has spoken it this way 
using these two integers that equate to 386, exactly like he did in the 386th chapter of the Bible. That's what we need to see. That's what we need to look for. That is what we need to be able to see. Now, as far as the Strongs go, of course, we need to be able to look at those numbers. Uh, you know, know what strong it is, um, so that you can look it up in your Strongs concordance, of course. So, I'm going to give you uh, these integers uh, so that you can see uh, exactly uh, where it is uh, that God is saying this exact phrase. So, the first uh, uh, number there in this phrase is, of course, uh, you pronounce it man. Of course, if you look up in your Strong's, it is H4487. Uh, and the next one, of course, uh, many of you will uh, know uh, that one being used for the land of Israel, Aratz. That's H776. But when he speaks it here, he says, Min Ha'aratz, is what he says, because it's also prefixed with a hey. But this exact phrase, from the earth, I've seen it before. And if that be true, I should be able to look at where these this exact phrase is used and get a context of what it is that is going to be the circumstances surrounding when the state of Israel tries to implement the Owasi sheep for temple sacrifice. I'm going to be able to look at it. Matter of fact, I'm going to be able to pinpoint on the timeline as far as the book of Revelation is concerned exactly when this happens. So, this exact phrase used this exact way is in 39 verses. Which, of course, is just one week short of something else very important. So, let's take a look. Uh, I am going to read... Every time that this is in the Bible source code, Hebraically. Now, please take note. In this study, I'm only speaking Hebraically, so I'm only giving you the ones in the binary code that is the Bible. I'm not going to address the Greek at all. I'm going to try to keep this as simplistic as I can. So, whenever you hear that phrase, it's going to say it many different ways. It might say from the land, it might say from Israel, or it might say uh, from the earth. 
And when I say it, when I read these verses, take note. It's a chronological marker for the time as to when this is going to be done. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 6. A very interesting place to start. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Were you expecting me to read that verse? You see, because he's talking about before it rained. He's implemented it right here, so I would know the difference between that time and when he changed time. Directly related to, of course, Noah's flood. Second time is in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 23. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. Do you see how I reinforced your mind before I ever read the second verse because I knew exactly where it was going? And you need to understand the way I just read that to you. I already predicated these thoughts by telling you up front that this had everything to do with certain animals, very special animals. And it was only very special animals that was, of course, with Noah on the ark. God said, those that were with Noah. But you had already forgotten about the animals, right? Like I said, this has everything to do with two things. Those two animals that is prized above all others as far as the Jewish nation is concerned. That's the red heifer and the Awasi sheep. Okay, let us progress on to... Genesis chapter 10 and verse 11. Ah, yes! The Assyrian rising. From that land, <laughs> he went forth into Assyria and built Nineveh and Ruboth Ur and Kelah. Ah, yes. Do you know who I'm speaking about? Well, I'm speaking about the one that hunted giants. <laughs> if I was you, I would uh, take note of this. Uh, search for my broadcast that I did on giants in the Septuagint. More importantly, go to prophetical.net and watch a video that I and my son did on this very thing. You see, because there in the Septuagint, it tells you that he wasn't a giant hunter. It said that he hunted giants. And that's why uh, he was before the Lord. Just take note of that. So, just up until this point, 
you realize that this is directly tied whenever this event takes place. Is exactly a time when the Assyrian will make his move and he will make himself known. Now, just so uh, you know, if you're new to this broadcast, the Assyrian is the false prophet that you know about in the book of Revelation. Let us progress. Genesis chapter 31 and verse 13. I am God of Bethel, where you appointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Do you know what this is in reference to? Here. You were just told quite emphatically about when the bride will flee into the wilderness. Now, this event takes place before she takes the ride of the eagle's wings and is taken to a place that has been prepared for her by God. This predicates that. This predates the ride of the eagle's wings, if you be bridely in your procession. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 24. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He's talking about you. You'll take note that I was able to say that beforehand, and then the very next verse said exactly what I said. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not Jews that are in the family of God. It's not Russians. Okay. Well, let's go even further. It's not Caucasian people that's in the family of God. It's not uh, Negro people. It's not Asian people. Uh, it's not Mongoloid people. It's not uh, New Zealand people. Okay. We are bridely and we are a coat of many colors. And just so you know, the Bible never makes mention of any color. It only mentions people. It mentions Assyrians, it mentions Babylonians and the mighty Chaldeans. It mentions Benjamites. Never, never says anybody. It never says Cush is black. never says Cush is purple. It never mentions a color. It only ever mentions a people. Never gives you color. But right here, you need to understand that when you are brought up out of Egypt, that is the ride of the eagle's wings. That's what was just promised to you in this sequence using that exact equation comprised of two integers whose sum is 386. Let's move on. Exodus chapter 1. Ah, yes. And verse 10. Come, let us deal wisely with them, else they will multiply, and in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and 
fight against us and depart from the land. You'll take note that this is the last phrase there. Egypt does not want you to take the ride of the eagle's wings. That's the whole reason why you're going to have to flee. So, let me guess. That word fled in Revelation chapter 12, you never even cared about the fled part. You only cared about the wilderness part. Make no mistakes about it, ladies and gentlemen. Those who hate you, those who refer... Because remember, the book of Revelation tells us that's where you're at right now. The entire planet is Egypt. The whole planet, that's Egypt. You are in slavery. I think that's pretty common knowledge to all of you. You all know that. It's simply matter-of-factly that we are all slaves. So consider what it is said. Exodus chapter 3 uh, and verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to be good and spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey to a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pizite, the Hevite, and the Jubasite. Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, he's talking about the sixth seal, the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne. The Lord your God tells you quite specifically he's going to impact Mount Paran and kick us off our axis and time shall go topsy-turvy. That's what he just said. Isn't it marvelous how he's, how he's used this integer of 386? And by a string of verses that I read to you, he's taking your mind to the very same place that the entire Bible loudly proclaims. I want you to take note, one of the verses that I read was in reference to the 144,000 that will ascend to Mount Zion, which is the children of the daughters of Zion. Let's move on. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 15. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. Think about what he just said. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to get into a big argument with anybody about what you can do and what it's lawful for you to do. But just consider this, that you need to stop breaking the Ten Commandments voluntarily. Consider that you should start implementing and executing the Beatitudes. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we will all be dead. Ah, oh, yes. 
Pharaoh doing the urging, was it, just then? Nope. It was the common folk. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 6. I shall also grant peace in the land so that you may lay down with no one making you tremble. I also shall eliminate harmful beasts from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. Ladies and gentlemen, he's just describing unto you only one place that can exist in this field of reality. That's a place that's been prepared for you by God himself. Numbers chapter 22 and verse 6. Now therefore, please come curse this people for me, since they too mighty for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Ah, yes. If you don't know, if you're a new listener, there's two groups that comprise 144,000. Revelation chapter 7 is written about one group. That's who it's talking about right here. Revelation chapter 14 is talking about a different group. These two groups comprise the rod of iron through which the Lord Jesus Christ will rule with. Joshua chapter 7 and verse 9. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it. They will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do? For your name is great. Ah, oh, yes. He just said it in such a way to remind you of Korah's rebellion, because that must take place in the wilderness, just like it happened before. Just take a read of Revelation chapter 12. That's the one place that says it very quite specifically for you, and reminds you that the earth opens up and swallows the flood. That's what's being talked about here. Garaz Rebellion. Let's progress on into 1 Samuel. It's mentioned twice in chapter 28, 9 and 13. But the woman said to him, Behold, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off those who are medium, spiritist from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? Verse 13, the king said to her, Do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth. Of course, you're immediately brought to mind the beast out of the earth, aren't you, from Revelation? That's probably because you should be. I hope that I haven't spun your head around too fast or too fervently. But I hope you've been able to at least make the realization that what God is presenting to you is a timeline with time markers associated with the time after a red heifer has been born. 
they've already cleansed the Temple Mount, and they're preparing to do a sacrifice. In order to do that, they have to have the proper fat-tailed sheep. One that's a bulletproof breed. I hope I haven't gone too far. I hope I haven't given you too much information. We haven't even touched a second Samuel. It's in First Kings. We already know it's in the 386th chapter of Second Chronicles, chapter 19, but it's in Job. It's in Psalms. It's in Isaiah. It's in Ezekiel. Five times, of course. It's in Hosea. It's in Micah. It's in Zechariah. It's in John, chapter 11. It's in Acts 9. And it's in Revelation, chapter 6 and 14. It's in all those places. And it's important. It's important that you know and understand these things. Let's go ahead and take another break while I consider as to whether I want to go ahead and share the rest of what God has riddled unto us. Of course, I hope that it all progresses and I find myself at the cross
Man, that's good stuff. That really is good stuff. Well, I hope you have enjoyed the bit of information that I've shared with you concerning the Bible source code. I think this time I'll leave you with a hunger for more. If you implement what I've given you already, you'll be able to search out the scriptures and find what it is that you're looking for. And I guess that's the most important thing I can leave you with tonight. Is to let you know that if you seek it, you will most certainly find it. Keep an eye out. I'm sure the mad Russian, my dear brother Arthur, I'm sure he's going to hound me for my show notes and make me post it somewhere. And for that one, I would bend over backward. If he asks of it, he shall receive it. But as for you, whoever you are, whatever continent you're on, maybe you're that sole listener that I have on the Isle of Man. I don't know. But if you truly are hungry... And you truly seek it, you will be able to find it. Like I said in the beginning of this broadcast, God has given you tools in the English language that you might look into the Bible source code. It is a binary code that is comprised of ones and zeros. The ones of that code is the Masoretic text coupled with the Delich New Testament. It is the Septuagint coupled with the Adito Regia. There is a way. There is a rhyme. Because he gave us a riddle. Maybe I talked about things you couldn't understand tonight. I'm sorry I didn't open a chat room tonight, but I left that for the Ecclesia over on the social networking site. They have a private chat set up there and I know that there they're safe. I know that there they be brothers and sisters and if one is in need they will ask and the other will supply. So I don't have to take the time to moderate the chat room. I can just do what it is that God designed me to do. show you his wonders. Show you that the Word of God is the bulletproof Bible in the Hebraic and the Greco Bible source code. Just if you're wondering, okay, the Adito Regia is not the Texas Receptus. 
It is that book which made the authorities so mad that they made that they made their own version once of course King James saw the supernova and the sign of the restrainer. Now no, I wasn't trying to speak cryptically. The constellation Ophiuchus is the sign of the restrainer that you know about in the New Testament. What I'm telling you is true. He commissioned the King James Bible exactly four years before it was published because he walked out onto the terrace and saw the supernova. But at any rate, it's there for you to hear and see if you choose to do so. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and Godspeed.